0: If you have your Bibles, we are in Luke chapter twenty. Luke chapter twenty this morning, and um, again we are in the last week of Jesus's life. Uh, it's known as Passion Week, but uh, Jesus has been having some um, uh, intense conversations with uh, religious people, and we've uh, looked at uh, all of them, and we're con- concluding with the last one today. But uh, a few weeks ago, we looked at the fact that uh, Jesus had a conversation with the Pharisees and the Herodians, and uh, these were the religious uh, conservatives and liberals of uh, uh, of Judaism, and um, and they tried to corner Jesus with a question. You know, should we pay taxes to Caesar? And Jesus came back with a, uh, a statement that has been quoted over and over again. For 2,000 years. He said, render to Caesar what is Caesar's and render to God what is God's. Yes, it's it's important to pay taxes. It's important to be good citizens of the country in which you live. And let me just encourage you, church, that this Tuesday is the election. And as Christians, we have a responsibility to be good citizens and vote Vote our convictions, vote our conscience, but participate in the electoral process. Your vote means something, and so um, as uh, Christians, we are to do that. And uh, you know, we are to render to Caesar what is Caesar's. But uh, sometimes Caesar uh, oversteps the lines, and we answer to a higher God. Uh, Caesar is not our God. Uh, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords is our God. And, uh, when the state encourages you to do something that goes against your convictions, uh, or your conscience, uh, you, we answer to a higher authority. And so, uh, Jesus kind of put the Pharisees and the Herodians in their place on that, on that question. And then, uh, last week we looked at the Sadducees. Sadducees had a a question for Jesus. Um, They didn't believe in the resurrection. And they came up with this ludicrous uh, question for for Jesus concerning the resurrection. And and Jesus talked about the afterlife. He talked with clarity. He talked with uh, uh, certainty that these things were going to take place. And uh, in Mark chapter 12... A parallel to this passage in Luke chapter 20. um, Jesus says, you don't know these things about the resurrection because you don't believe the scriptures or you don't know the scriptures and the power of God. And Jesus says, you are wrong about the resurrection. The resurrection is a reality. And folks, this is our hope in Christ. Jesus knows beyond a, a shadow of a doubt that there's life eternal, and he wants to encourage us with this hope. And so we looked at the reality of the resurrection uh last week. And this morning, the um he's gonna have a conversation with the scribes. And uh the scribes were uh really the Bible scholars of the Jews. Uh they, uh, knew everything there was to know about the Old Testament. And, uh, and you all knew who the scribes were. The scribes were the people who wore the white suits. Okay, they wore the white garments. And whenever scribes passed by, you know, people would get up and greet the scribe and as they were walking down the street it would be kind of like a wave you know people would be getting up and welcoming and introducing themselves to to the scribe but these were very important people and uh, jesus poses a question to the scribes this morning so in luke chapter 20 beginning with verse 41 the bible says but he said to them how can they say that the Christ is David's son? For David himself says in the book of Psalms, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. David thus calls him Lord. So how is he his son? Let's go to Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12 kind of gives us a a little bit more insight as to uh, the text this morning. And uh, it's at the top of your handout sheet this morning. Mark chapter 12, verses 35 through 37. And as Jesus taught in the temple, he said, How can the scribes say that the Christ is the son of David? David himself in the Holy Spirit declared, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. David himself calls him Lord. So how is he his son? And the great throng heard him gladly. Jesus is wanting people to see, the scribes, to know exactly who he is. And so he poses a question to the scribes that says, uh, how can the scribes say that the Christ is David's son? In the book of Matthew, there's another parallel in the book of Matthew, uh, Jesus asks, what do you think of the Christ? Whose son is he? So here are the scribes in the audience. Who is the Christ? What do the cri- scribes say Christ is? Who is, who is Christ? And the scribes say, the Son of David. The Son of David. Now, what do they mean when they say the Son of David? They mean that, that, uh, that the Christ is going to be a human being. The Christ is going to be a gifted political leader who was a lot like David himself. And he's going to set up his kingdom and he's going to rule from Jerusalem. But they're not, when they think of Messiah, when they think of someone who's coming as David's son, they're thinking of a human being. They are thinking with political eyes. And when they, they say the son of David, Jesus takes them to Psalm 110 verse 1. This is what he quotes in Luke chapter 20 with verse uh, 42. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. In Mark chapter 12, verse 36, Jesus said, David himself in the Holy Spirit declared. Okay, they're taking, Jesus is taking uh, the scribes back to Psalm 110. And what Jesus is saying here to these scribes is that he is, the Messiah, the son of David, is far more than just coming from the bloodline of David. He's someone altogether different. When you look at Psalm 110, scribes, you need to look at that text with spiritual eyes. He's not merely just coming in the flesh, but David says, and the Lord, Jehovah, Yahweh said to my Lord, Adonai, Messiah, Savior. He says, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. He's saying, scribes, this this son of David is bigger than a man. This son of David demands a supra-human figure. Someone bigger than man. Someone who's both God and man. That's what Jesus is saying in this passage of scripture. He's far bigger than than David. And so, let's focus on Jesus' question. He asks, So how can Jesus be both David's son and David's Lord? That's the question he poses to the scribes. How can he be from David's bloodline, you know, related to David as a human, but at the same time, how can he be David's Adonai, David's God? Well, there's two two processes here as you look to answer that question. The number first is this David or Jesus has to be the son of David, number one, by birth. And Luke tells us in Luke chapter one and Luke chapter two that David, that that Jesus comes from the bloodline of David. We looked at that carefully. A couple years ago now, and you can go back and listen to that sermon. I think it's probably still online. But, uh, but both Mary's bloodline as well as Joseph's. Now, Joseph, he was not the, uh, physical father of, of Joseph, but yet Joseph's line came through David as well as Mary's. And so scripture tells us that, uh, the one who was going to sit on David's throne had to come From David's bloodline and that's what we know about Jesus he did exactly that but the other question but the question is how does David's son okay he's one of uh, David's um, relatives come from David's lineage but how can this earthly man become David's lord how can it be, be both son and lord at the same same time? That doesn't make sense. Which brings us to the second part of this passage of scripture. Yes, he must come th- through David's line of birth, but how does Jesus become David's lord? He becomes David's lord by His death, his resurrection, his ascension, and his position. As we've been going through Luke chapter 20, Jesus has been hinting about his death and resurrection. Uh, We saw a few weeks ago that uh, Jesus... Quoted Psalm 118, and he talked about how he was going to be, uh, the cornerstone that was rejected. But the very stone that the builders rejected is going to become the chief cornerstone. Jesus in this, in chapter 20 is saying, you know, something, you are going to reject me, religious leaders, and what you cast out God is going to take that rejected stone and he's, he's going to make it the cornerstone, the capstone of his new building program, the church. And so he's hinted at uh, the, the, the rejection that he's going to go through. And he's also hinted about the resurrection. He had the conversation with the Sadducees last week. He talks about how resurrection is a reality. And that God is the God of the living and not the dead. And so here we have hints about crucifixion and resurrection. But they don't get this entirely. You know, this doesn't make a whole lot of sense When David says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I I make your enemies your footstool. When Jesus came to the earth, he had to empty himself of his royalty. Look at Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Jesus is Lord. When, when God became man, Jesus was both fully man and fully God. But this is what Paul says about Jesus' deity in verse 6. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, But before God could exalt Christ and seat him at the right hand of the Father, Jesus first had to humble himself, even to the point of death. And so when Jesus is sharing sharing these words in Luke chapter 20, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand there's a very difficult thing he has to go through first. He has to go through suffering, rejection, and death, and then the resurrection. I can just imagine the disciples following the resurrection. I mean, their eyes have, have come open. And I can imagine Jesus having, is sitting down with the disciples having a Bible study concerning Psalm 110. Psalm 110 is the most quoted verse in the New Testament. Yeah, they were in the dark about David's words prior to the crucifixion, but following the resurrection, the disciples understood that this is how Jesus was going to become David's Lord, his Adonai. He was going to have to go through death, suffering, rejection. And the disciples began to get this. And look at Peter's sermon uh, at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. Verse 34 through 36, it's in your outline this morning. The Bible says, For David did not ascend into heaven, into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I, till I make your enemies your footstool. Let all the house of Israel therefore know, therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ. This Jesus whom you crucified. Jesus first had to go through the crucifixion. Paul understood this in Romans chapter one, verses three and four. It says concerning his son who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by how? by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Messiah. Jesus is Adonai. He is David's Lord. But first, God the Father had to humble him. He left heaven's glory. Even though he was equal with God, he gave that up to identify with you and I and to become a man and experience the same things you and I experience. Jesus had to go through a timeline as the Son of Man so that eventually God would exalt him as the Son of God. He had to go through the fire to be exalted. Hebrews 10 verses 12 and 13 says, But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool For his feet. Do you see it? Before Jesus could wear the crown, he first had to wear the crown of thorns. Before Jesus could be exalted, he had to go through a crucifixion. crucifixion. Church, God expects. The very same thing for every one of us as his children. Jesus says, you want to be a follower of mine? You've got to carry your cross. A death instrument in my name. You have to be willing to die for me. To even experience the same things that I have experienced before you are exalted. Look at Luke chapter fourteen, verse twenty seven. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. John six fifty four. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood, has eternal life, and I will raise him up on that last day. This is what happened to Jesus. And God says, this is what I expect of my children. You want to experience the victories of glory? Glory you have to be willing to drink of the cup of suffering that I have drunk from. How are you doing with that? You know, I think we live in a day and age church where church, Christianity is all about my personal preference or what is convenient for me. <clears throat> we, have, uh, we have some needs in our church. We have some needs in our children's ministry. For adult volunteers to care for those little ones, whether they are in diapers and, and just need uh, a, a safe, loving environment with, with, uh, with adults in our church, or whether it be in children's ministry and teaching the Bible. But we have a lot of people in our church right now, and I'm just saying this in love, that we're just all kind of in it for ourselves. And if I have the time and if I'm in town this weekend, well, maybe I can help. And there's not a a sacrificial attitude with God's people. I think we're of the mindset that says, you know, I've been there. I've done that. I'm in retirement mode and I'm going to let somebody else do it. What if Jesus had that attitude? We would be lost, all of us be lost in our sin, dying and going to hell. This wasn't Jesus' heart. Jesus' desire was to completely do the will of the Father. And he knew it was going to cost him everything. And I'm not just talking about our church. This is a problem in all the churches today. People are just in it for themselves. If it's convenient, then I'll do it. This is not the attitude that God would have us have. And this isn't the attitude of Christians in other parts of the world. I'm meddling, I know. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 12. Hmm. Hebrews 12 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who... For the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not resisted, To the point of shedding your blood. Jesus, God's word, expects the suffering of Christians. If you are going to live a godly life, Paul says to Timothy, you will be persecuted. And I know some of you, you're going through suffering right now. You're going through issues that, maybe it's health issues. Maybe it's issues with your children. You're questioning God's love and sovereignty in your life. You're just going through trials. We just um, had a memorial service for... Um, Ken Reinhardt on Wednesday. Ken was 91 years old. God uh, took him home. Ken had had health issues for over 40 years. Doctors had told him decades ago that he wasn't going to live long. But Ken knew Jesus. And in spite of all of his physical suffering, He continued to praise God and to trust God with his life. He wanted me to preach from 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 3 through 9 on Wednesday. And I did that. And Peter talks about suffering. And that the purpose of suffering is to purify our faith. Just as gold goes through the fire and becomes more pure, our faith is so much greater, and God takes us through the trials of suffering so that our faith will be more valuable than gold, and we will look with joy at the return of our Savior and Lord, our I, Jesus Christ. And if he tarries, that's okay, because we still win. How can David's son, Jesus, be both David's Lord? David had to go through the period, Jesus had to go through the period of suffering and death. Before there can be a resurrection, there first has to be, have to be a crucifixion. And my friend, if you're going to be prepared for the suffering and the suffering's gonna come, you gotta be in His Word. You need, you have to know what God's Word says and trust God through the fire. And you're going to go through the fire. And there are Christians around the world today who are going through fires that don't even compare to my fire. Today is um, the day that the church is encouraged to pray for the persecuted church. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself. So that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted in your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Boy, we don't understand those words in this country of ours. We are we live in unprecedented days that the Bible never described. To be a follower of Christ, Scripture tells us that we may literally have to give up our own lives. How do we get through it? How do we persevere? We persevere by keeping our eyes on Jesus. As Jesus did it, Jesus will help us do it. Christianity is costly. Have you been looking at Christianity as just a matter of convenience? If I'll do this, my God will bless me. And it's a name it and claim it prosperity gospel. That's not the Bible. Jesus says, whoever wants to follow me must bear his own cross and come after me. So I want to pray. I want to pray first for the persecuted church. We need to pray for uh, those in Muslim countries in particular whose lives are in danger right now. We've. We've prayed for them in the past, but I think it's something that we just kind of neglect or forget Mm -hmm. and go about our business. But let's pray. Pray for them right now. And so bow your head with me, please. Would you ask God to help them to endure, endure the suffering? help them to love Christ far more than life itself help them to love their enemies help them ask God to help them to rejoice that they are considered worthy to suffer for His name. Help them. Ask God to help them remember their unbelievable future glory. What suffering are you going through? Ask God to help you persevere. He's wanting to purify your faith, friend. Don't give up on Him. He's not going to give up on you. Father, I thank you for all that you did through Jesus. Jesus, thank you for having given given up uh, your throne in glory and clothed yourself in flesh and became one of us. You suffered and you bled and you died. And God, you exalted your Son through the power of the resurrection and He ascended into Your presence, and He's seated at Your right, right hand at this moment. And and Lord, You're just waiting for the day that you, when you, all the enemies are going to be put underneath His footstool. And God, Jesus, You're going to return. And Lord, we look forward to that moment, but in the meantime, You ask us to tarry. You ask us to be faithful. You ask us to carry our cross and to trust you. God, forgive us. Forgive us for doubting you. Forgive us for questioning your sovereignty. But God, in your love, I thank you that you understand that you are sympathetic, that you are our great high priest that tenderly hears every word, every cry of our heart. And Jesus, you're here today. I pray that you would strengthen hearts and lives. That faith might be made more pure, more valuable. Father, bless this time of invitation.